Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mock Stars podcast. I am one of your hosts, Evan Kunai, and I am here with my great friends and esteemed colleagues, Jordan Garcia. Why, hello. And Christopher Ritter. Good evening. <laughs> and the energy. Today, we're going to be talking about branching into other formats. We've, we've finally felt the grip of Commander like loosen its, loosen its hold on us, and we've, we've expanded out, and we're going to talk about that today. But before we do that, there's been a lot that has happened in the last couple weeks that, you know, we've been very active in the Magic community. We have been, but we went to the pre-release for Brothers War. Brothers War came out. Like, did, there's been, I did three of them that week. Yeah, we've been playing a ton on Arena. We've been a lot uh, of new stuff for us. Yeah, and then the fact that Magic Thirty happened, the train wreck of an uh, expo that was put together, and uh, the S- Magic Thirty Secret Layer has been purchased, sold out, and delivered. And so uh, we can just kind of like talk about some of those things, like cover the news yeah. that we've missed in the past couple weeks. How long did it take to sell out? Do we know this? Was mm-hmm. it like was it like same day kind of vibes? I, yeah, it was same day. Okay. Like there were we didn't know. We didn't know if we needed to be there like the second it came out or what. With the way that Wizards has been handling a lot of their stuff lately, it's been very confusing because like I know that like everyone was like setting alarms, right? That when it was announced, the first seven cards were revealed, everyone was like, for 150 bucks, those seven cards are worth it. And I get twenty-three more cards alongside it. Like, hell yeah, I'm buying that. And so a ton of people set their alarms for what was it? October Right. I, can't, I, don't know. I can't remember what I tuned it out. was. Yeah, I tuned out after a while, after I saw the next 23 cards, and I was like, yeah. yeah I saw the Necropuns, and then I saw the other ones, and I was like, fuck this. And nice Chrome Box. And shout out to Dan Treasure for making a sick Chrome Box. I just, once they started adding like rarity chance slots in the primo paid for product where you don't even get a guaranteed foil anymore, yeah, I was like, I tuned out. I'm done. Yeah, none of them were guaranteed foil, which was like, a heartbreaker. This is why I mean, the point of the secret layer is to uh, eliminate some of the randomness, some of the gambling from the experience, and now yeah. you're adding it back in. It is a right. premium product. You don't buy it unless you want a premium product. Like, no one's trying to get non foils. Yeah, that that bonus demand. slot, that bonus card that you get with the secret layer that's where that's for a hundred yeah that's, that's the experiment way put whatever you want in there it's a fun little nugget that's awesome but like i don't know if i'm paying for it that's what i want and i'm not paying for it because i'm not getting what i want yeah to, so to answer your question did it all sell out in one day it did it was rumored that it had sold out in the first two hours no one knew how many they had and they had no limit on any amount that any person could buy i think it was like you could buy 10 of them in a single purchase. They just said a limited run. They yes. didn't say how many. Yeah, so you could buy like 10 of them or something in a single crazy. purchase. And so then you could just purchase your 10, get back in line, buy 10 more. And I'm sure there are people who did it that multiple times. But um, there was at one point, because it went live at like 8 a.m. And then it was like, oh, 10 a.m. and sold out. And then uh, we were getting messages from people overseas, like in the UK, that were saying, like, if you go to the UK website, it's still available, and so you could place your order there and just have it, like, pay the additional shipping and have it shipped. Get that to, VPN. Yeah, to the to the United States. So there was like some miscommunication or just some confusion wow. there. So did it sell out in two hours? No. Did it sell out in one day? Yeah. And Listen, uh, Wizards of the Coast has only only done this secret layer thing like forty or fifty times now. <laughs> they uh, give them time to figure it out. You know, there's some some kinks, some ironing out left to do here. But I mean, the whole thing has reeked a high hell of like failed experimentation too. Like secret layer in general, where like at the beginning you were getting like crazy massive packaging to make you feel like you're getting this premium product. And over time they've like slowly whittled down the amount of packaging because people were saying how absurd it was. And then now with the magic 30, like the secret layer, you spent $150 on, you waited in line to get it and you may have, you know, bought two or three of them. And then all of a sudden they show up in these like thin, uh, like card stock envelopes. Pretty much how all of them show up nowadays is just yeah. Like, I appreciate that they're not creating a ton of waste, but like, I mean, just ordering a card off of TCG Player comes in a better case than these. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yes, if does. you're if the lesson from any like, you know, consumer goods industry is like, if you're selling a uh, high level product, the packaging needs to meet that. Like, yep. you know, if if you're buying like a 
uh, Yves Saint Laurent bag or something, or like Jimmy Choo shoes, like or or a Tiffany uh, necklace or something. You know, the packaging rises to meet what that object is. Right. Like the packaging is part of the experience. Like you know, that Tiffany box is a coveted item. Like in, in its own. You know. Yeah. Like my fiance, she bought like a really nice pair of Gucci sunglasses. Came in a dope blue velvet like. Uh, sunglass case. She has that forever. Even if she lost those sunglasses, she would hold on to that because it's freaking awesome. But I just don't think more packaging to throw in the trash is uh, that perceived value we keep talking about. Like, I don't think that's the way to do it. You can do a nice sleek but you do package. Need to put, yeah, you have to put thought into yeah, it at a just, minimum. Just get like a, don't. a matte black envelope slip that has like secret layer and gold text emblazoned on it. Like, that would cost very little, very little waste. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the, it's, the a, it's a nitpicky well, thing. Well, it's just the sure. problem they're running into now is that a lot of these, it's maybe not a high, super high percentage of them, but there are a alarming number of that are of them are that are coming in damaged that people yeah, are receiving. I've seen there's an element damaged. of just like uh, slop it up, piggies. Like <laughs> it doesn't it matter. We'll, like we can do more and more. Yeah. yeah, like they were like, this is for you know our esteemed people that are like our ingratiated players and they really want to get access to this exclusive content. And now it is just. Eat up, bitch! Mm-hmm. And they're just they're just force feeding us like uh, foie gras geese. Yeah, there've been times where I've like ordered Secret Lair. It's it's only been two times that I've had an error with my like order, and I've just reached out, and they've been super helpful. But there's also like the flip side of things where I've heard of like stories on Reddit where people will be trying to contact Wizards of the Coast for the damage product they release or they uh, received, and then Wizards just goes. Well, they would send them photo photographs, and then Wizards would say, like, why would you do that to your cards? And then they're like, oh, well, I thought you were going to help me out with this. And so that's a long, arduous process to say, do you believe me or do you not believe me? And then you have to go through, like, multiple hoops, jump through multiple hoops, and then you finally get your product back. But they make it more of a headache than it's been worth lately. I don't know if they're understaffed in some departments. There's, I mean, there's... I'm not sure. No, I, I mean, there's a... That is a there's a technical term of art for it in business, which is you know you provide bad customer service in order to get people to you know fuck off. Comcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you make. Have you ever called Comcast yeah. before? Like I do one day want to have Card Kingdom as a sponsor, but their in person in store pickup is a little to be desired because when you place your order and you go pick it up and they hand it to you and they say, "Have a great have a great day," you know. Here's your cards. Go on, get, you know, and you walk out of there and let's say you got home after picking up in person or you just went to the next next door coffee shop and uh, you saw that they had made an error or you got a card that was more damaged than you would expect it mm-hmm. to be. You will go back there to the counter and at the front counter, they will say, did you leave the store? And you say, yeah, is that a problem? And they said, yeah, we actually don't do like returns or like you can't like submit a request after you've left the store. Yeah, it is left the way condition you have it now is a condition that you will keep it forever. They will just they won't help you at all. Yeah, I've gotten like the wrong card where it was just like w- one name was wrong and so it got filed in the wrong spot and the person who was pulling it just didn't give a fuck. Went to the slot, pulled it out, and like it was a fifty cent card versus like a ten dollar card. And I was like, I got all the way home and I'm like, guess I'm fucked. I should have checked before I left. Yeah, yep. I, I, man, I have. You know, I always check in store and Yo, I ha- do every time now. Every time and I had an incident where I wanted like the Strixhaven uh archives gift of estates and I got the Japanese uh Strixhaven gift of estates, which they're both dollar cards. I think there's a neg- negligible difference in value, but I-, I wanted the one version versus the other version and I saw it immediately said to the person like hey i got the wrong version can you correct this and they're like yeah sure in the moment still correcting one card like i was there for another 40 minutes just waiting for uh, them to run out oof, this duh. one one dollar card no this gotta be like my a, time a, is worth slightly more than 100%, that like, this it, should fe- be it felt real bad <laughs> Like customer service wise, there should be like red flashing lights upstairs. Like we, we fucked up. Let's remedy. Well, that. I don't know about that, but like still, like hey, 
this person is I here picking up. We messed we messed up a thing. It's one I card. Guess I hold myself yeah. to higher customer service standards than most people are held to. There is one service that they offer that I will go back for every single time, and this is when you have to dig deep in your pockets. But if you buy a card from with over a hundred dollars in value from Card Kingdom and you go pick it up in person, they will bring down multiple copies of it and allow you to evaluate the card. That you you get to pick and choose. Do you examine it with like a jeweler's loop and <laughs> they, all that sort of they stuff? Have, they have like a jeweler's lamp at the table. Like yeah, they like bring your own loop though. Oh no, <laughs> you gotta bring the loop. No, no, they uh, but they do let you like hold the card in a perfect fit and like examine it in the light to like choose which one. So highly recommend if you're getting anything pretty much over hundred. Yeah, if you're in the Seattle you area, it, if you're in Washington State, that's actually like a service they offer. You can get in-store pickup. In Washington, as long as you have a Washington State address. Yeah, so. anywhere in Washington. If you're buying a bomb, like if you're getting like a Mox Diamond, you're going to buy it from Car Kingdom anyway. Uh, hop on the train. Hop on the train. Take a little train there. trip. Like I, I don't feel comfortable buying off TCG Player for like reserve lists and stuff like that. Just like I just don't trust the U.S. mail system. Like that this, well. this is such a wild conversation. We're like, listen, the customer service at this place sucks in these various aspects. But definitely, if you're going to spend a lot of money, you have to go. You got to. You go. have to go. Here. Just know. You want to give them a lot of money? You go there. <laughs> yeah. Just know what you're getting into and be smart about it. And like, I think that's just one way to be smart about it. Is if you're going to spend a lot of money on a card, go there so that you can guarantee that you're getting something that is you choose of, it of the high quality. You spend a lot of money on anything. See it in person first. A hundred percent. And I honestly think yeah. like a lot of times the. Card Kingdom has such a high quality grading system compared to other shops and way more uniform than like TCG Player, which is a billion different shops. Um, and so I feel like, say, if I'm buying a dual land, I feel like I can buy a dual land at the good, which is the lowest rating. And if I go through four of them, I can probably find a VG out of that. And yeah. then, but I paid for a good, like, because that's how high quality stuff is. Or a lot of times we'll do VG and I'll pull something that's like pretty close to an EX. Mm-hmm. There was there was the time I bought the original foil Seedborn Muse for $25 at a G rating from Card yep. Kingdom. I it got was it. crispy though. Yeah, I got it. And it was definitely EX closer to near mint. And I was just like, yeah, sometimes oh my just, God. Yeah. You know, I got it. And then I sat on it over the pandemic and I turn around and flip and it's like, Two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, you made a really good trade with yeah, that. Yeah, and I just turned around and traded that up for you know traded up with that, and it's just crazy how good a quality you can actually get at the G slot. Um, but know, if you just money, like the more money you spend, like I said, if it's over a hundred dollars and it's in the you know in the G slot, you can actually go in and check out the top what three or four options that they have, and then you get to pick the one. So you actually make the choice. You it's your responsibility at that point. Yeah, I. I pretty much will never buy a good without inspecting it, honestly, right, because right. for how you can pick out some great goods that are VGs, but oh my God, they have some awful goods too. That it's like, yeah, the corner's missing on this one. Good is a big range. It it's it's their minimum range, range and it's exactly so it's it's a wide range. Yeah, on, it's uh, the bottom fifty percent essentially. Yes. They still want to yeah. sell it, but you know. What that entails might vary. Yeah, I would say if you're shopping on TCG Player and you are selecting good in Card Kingdom, you're basically selecting between moderately, heavily, and damaged. I'd say if you're good, you're between heavy and damaged more often than not. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely some like significant wear and tear to the card, but I don't know if they have someone up there who like cleans white borders. But there've been some like VGs I get from them that are just like immaculately clean. Like I'm not sure if they clean up the edges. Yeah, it's just I feel like sometimes with like the reserve list stuff, like I've bought duels from them at a good slot, and like I've gotten lucky sometimes, and sometimes less so because. When the card is of that value, they really want to sell it, even if it's not in great condition. It's right. not like they're throwing out a quartered card. Do you think it's like a restaurant that, like, during the slow season, they start like deep cleaning uh, goods? <laughs> like, yeah. hey, hey, if you want to get your hours, I I can cut you, or you can start uh, scrubbing down the white borders of those revised dual lands. <laughs> yes. Yep. Oh man, they got to be so slow during the slow season. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know if they have a slow season. Yeah, I guess up upstairs probably not. Upstairs. Yeah, probably. there's a reason they unionized. They were being worked like crazy they yeah. were working many de- into the deep hours of the night well this has been a ridiculous wild intro uh we should yes. move to our main topic here just to remind everybody if you forgot i would not blame you we're talking about the value of playing other formats we're pretty ingratiated commander players i don't know chris if you define yourself as i, I came from the opposite direction correct you went yep. from like a constructed format 1v1 doing that um, Evan, what was your background? You you did that too, probably. Yeah, I started playing in like 2016 and played 
well, I was out in the back country of Alaska, so we we got our hands on what cards we could. Tabletop. Yeah, tabletop, like 1v1, uh, 60 card decks. You know, like at the time it was Amonkhet, so we were like, I guess, playing standard, but then we didn't like tru- truly see the full scope until we got out of the back country. Right. And, you know, that, yeah. So I guess I played standard first, and then I strayed into commander later on. Right. And then I just dove head first into commander i loved it so right. much and you got me into magic and so commander has always been you know my f- main format and i feel like there's the old world magic kind of vibe where it's like you guys you know started in the constructed format that's pretty much how everybody got into the game and then you maybe grew into commander you realized you know like everybody else that you can do a lot more stuff a lot more fun f- funky synergies you can put your collection to good use you put I your collection to good use that was a huge advantage for players like wanting to make the switch from a constructed format to commander was that like all the cards that have rotated out of standard what do you do with ha- them yeah they now had a significant use sort of selling them back for chase mythics right and that's just like that deadly like uh cycle you get you get you end up spiraling down into is just like if you're chasing standard over and over and over and you're rotating like out your cards and then just selling them back for like chase mythics and whatever like you're going for it is just an unhealthy pattern because you were just like you're not gaining any ground right yeah i i mean that's originally what got me out of standard i loved the uh return to ravnica standard format and it was with that block that they changed the standard format right it was around that time and I what got me out of it was just it became too expensive to keep up with the rotating format. It, it just became a faster rotating thing, where you know you would invest all this money in building this deck, and then a few months later, it's it's no longer part of the meta. Like right. e- even the pieces aren't part of the meta. Like you know, uh, I'm trying to think like the signifiers there. Like Thrag Tusk was like you know right. Swag Tusk. Yeah, that was like a dominant card, a fifty dollar card that you needed in your deck at the time to compete in standard and then it rotates out and it's down to like an eight dollar card or something which feels yeah. really bad so you know? if you're looking at commander decks you've picked up in the in the past recent years and you see thrag tusk in the list like there's a it's a huge callback to that era of like standard when <laughs> they definitely when, had it in their chaff yeah like it's chaff now but it was at one point fifty dollars and I can't tell you how much money I've made off cards, like uh, just paying attention to standard rotating cycles before Commander became like this huge popular thing. You know, like I th- I would say that like it was War of the Spark and beyond that like Commander really started turning up. And that's like it had existed for, I don't know, like six to eight years already at that point as like a, an official format. The and, like go to format for yeah. a long time. Yeah, you know, like, well, yeah, standard and everything and modern was even just like the go to. So, like, when War of the Spark came out and, you know, Finale Devastation was announced and no one blinked an eye and they're like, this just isn't good in standard. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm going to buy eight of these right now. You know, and you watch some stuff rotate out, um, you know, and just has value. I think we're starting to see like cards actually climb back up now. Cards that used to rotate out of standard fall from grace like tank and price and now that pioneer is like this like growing format yep. we're starting to see these cards like come back into their own and like rise in price again i'm actually hating how much i have to spend on some cards yeah it's you know the money does not go as far on the the card market as it used to but yeah and then like i also think with uh like commander getting more and more popular it is now as it seems to be statistically speaking the most popular format nowadays it's how a lot of people get into magic nowadays which is polar opposite of how it was in the past absolutely blows my mind yeah people are learning magic on commander i don't know how you did it you just well i mean and we even started kind of halfway because we 1v1 commander that's kind of how i got in the game you showed me mechanics and then i found some synergies but like yeah i mean kind of it seems very daunting like four four player commander out the gate there's a lot to keep track of although it's kind of casual it's still just so much stuff but it's not as also now having an impact on cards and that's why you're seeing standard rotated out cards that are not legal anymore but they're really freaking good in commander sometimes so then you'll start seeing that market pick up and now we have multiple markets all like balancing back and forth with each other yeah super hot take here but uh i'd say that commander is one of it is not the most expensive but it is one of the most expensive formats to just 
dive right in. Right. We were I mean, talking it, about it. It can be. Like yeah. because the card the card pool uh encompasses all of the money cards from Magic's Magic's thirty year history. Yeah. Which uh hopefully you commemorated with some purchases of this <laughs> coast uh, Magic Thirty chill, chill, commemorative chill, collector chill. packs, blah 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 blah. Mark Rosewater all just you know <laughs> what a fucking send them my way. Uh some packs. Oh we're uh, all shells. Uh I'll open them on stream. What was it? Uh, but anyway, just because the uh, the card pool encompasses all the money cards from Magic's his Magic's history, like you know, you can do it very cheaply, or you can do it in a very expensive, blinged out way. But the entry level option is, you know, you're just going to stumble across like a fifty dollar card out of nowhere. That yeah. you know, you're like, just, oh shit, I actually really need that to make this yeah, work, exactly. Yeah, it's these the the eternal formats that really drive the price up. You know, because all yeah. The craziest, most powerful cards in Magic are legal and available to play, and I think that's like where it's almost like yeah. I mean, and, and also the other thing I want to say is that like cards from recent sets that are very expensive, like uh, Urza Saga, like Dockside Extortionish, those are mostly Commander uh, cards. Like you know anything that yeah. falls in that into that range. So like nobody else Commander is the format that is going to have the money cards. If you're not talking about like Vintage or Legacy, right. Yeah, no, it's uh, it is absolutely crazy how expensive it's gotten. Um, but less on the price thing, just like coming from a commander player standpoint, we've played it nonstop, religiously for like six fucking years. So now, like, why all of a sudden are we starting to like feel this change? I feel like yes, it's gotten so expensive. It used to be billed as like the cheapest format, but. That's all. Like we were talking earlier this week, it's just like that's only if you're just fine grabbing whatever garbage commons, uncommons, draft chaff you have and putting together a hundred card list. Like if you were trying to do a like fully like synergized, like fully executed, well tuned deck, it's going to be so 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 much more expensive than it's, like a standard deck. Yeah, it's the minimum five hundred dollar. Like it, yeah, and know, that is you got to bankroll this thing. There is literally uh, the CDH. Uh, budget brews it's its own channel it's super good guy and stuff like that and he was just on a podcast and he literally just said is like we use that to get people in the door because it's a nice buzzword but it's impossible like it is his budget brews are five to seven hundred dollars and that is a budget deck well there was when we were at marchesa and we were competing there were uh well there was like an announcement made and they're like oh the hundred players today 99 of them had you know pretty much one of any of these most popular cards and the right. only person who didn't have this card in their deck which is like a mana crypt, i think it was mana crypt yeah yeah was the budget player who you know one was very player. firm on his budget <laughs> and said he was not going to play more than a 300 hundred dollar deck which like shout out i'm not saying I'm not. It's not a gatekeeping kind of perspective and stuff like that where I'm saying you have to buy it or get the fuck out. It's just like if you want to compete, you need a mana crypt. Yes. <laughs> like you got to have a mana crypt. And not for nothing, proxies are definitely within your budget. Proxies are definitely within yes. your budget. Depending on you know the community you're playing in. Uh, we are very friendly with that. This deck could potentially cost you $15. Well, $20 after sleeves. <laughs> but like... That that is what you're looking at as far as like price discrepancy. It's like if you wanted to go out and play Commander at its very base level, you're gonna probably go out and get a precon and spend forty dollars, which is already more expensive than proxies and sleeves. Uh, and then turn around and realize that this is a very slow deck. It is not optimized. The mana base is awful. 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 You can't hardly even play this thing. You're looking at cards that cost six or seven, and you've been stuck on four lands for the last four or five turns. Yeah. And you're just sitting there, and how are you supposed to enjoy the game? I'm not saying that optimized magic is the most fun way to like enjoy you have the to game. Do it, yeah. You know, but Max out every slot in the 99. I think I'm just finding that... You just have to have some efficiency with the build. It doesn't have to be a f it like it home feels run better strategy. when you're able to play your cards. Yeah, right. You and you need to, to create the situation where you can play the cards, and bad synergies don't allow you to do that. Right. Yep. And sometimes, like the card you need that just like snaps the synergy together. Unfortunately, sometimes that's the fifty dollar card. You know, and especially on these synergy or these like uh, mechanics and stuff that have been around. Ristic Study is going to solve a lot of problems. Like it just does, yeah. are you playing you know? blue? You probably looked at Rhystic Study at least once for your deck. Yeah, Mystic Remora, it's sitting right there. You know, it's like for the older version, like that one artwork that had been there for so long. I was shocked, honestly shocked. Every time I looked at the price of Mystic Remora, I was like, "How is this not twenty five dollars?" It's always been like three or four bucks. Yeah, it's always you know, and at the high point, it was like seven or eight. 
and you're it like, is one of those cards for like a single printing card that is mass massively used, widely used. Yeah, why is it only seven or eight dollars? That is and true. Then finally, the secret layer, yeah, dropped, and we got another artwork. And thank God some we more needed premium versions. We needed a better art. That art. Yeah. Was, no offense to the artist, but that sucks. No, but the Kellogg's Loop. Woo! What an artwork. Yeah, yeah. No, what an artwork. It was great. Yeah. Uh, but I'm having a lot of fun kind of switching gears. Like, obviously, we're still going to play CDH. Obviously, we're still going to play, like, regular Commander at the game night with the boys and stuff. But we've been doing a lot of limited. It's been so much fun to just kind of take a step back. And your head is not so far up your ass about, you know, this, like, 100-card deck and maximizing every slot. Because you don't need to play like that. But we do like to play like that. We're competitive. It's You invested hours of your life into making this deck be good. And right. when it doesn't play well it doesn't feel good right like it you know like it's it, not even just hours it's like hundreds of hours that we're putting into it but yeah because then you play test it and then on moxfield and then you like for us we do proxies because we brew all the time that it is unfeasible to be buying or selling cards and trading back cards to build new decks all the time so you know we'll play test it on moxfield then we'll print off proxies then we'll play it with the group and if like this is the deck then shit start trading start saving because that shit is crazy expensive but like Evan and I just got into Pioneer this weekend. Chris got into a few weeks ago and like we finally made the jump. We just played on uh Arena for Historic. 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 Yeah, we played Historic on Arena, but you can basically just build a Pioneer deck. Yeah, and very similar card pools. Yeah. yeah. And like we looked so we built them because we just had all these free wild cards from drafting all the time. Uh built the decks we wanted to build, ended up crushing and having a great time all weekend and we're like holy shit it would cost 70 dollars to go to mox right now and get this entire deck mostly in foil yeah. which like feels really good compared to commander so i really think that like that dichotomy or that like concept that commander is the cheap way to play magic i definitely don't think that's fucking no true. i spent a hundred dollars on a fully foiled out premium deck with galaxy foil lands for a hundred dollars Okay, I. That feels but good. does that include like assuming that you have the mana base and everything? Because I mean, oh, pioneer decks can still be expensive. Like I have for uh, sure. I have I have a build of Grease Fang, which I was able to build for forty dollars in new cards. But that's because I had four lilies already. I right. had uh you know the Godless Shrines. I had a lot of the other expensive cards already, um from my time in Standard and in other formats. No, this is like fully like the full deck because I just played Basics. Because it's only two colors, and I know that Grease Fang is also only two colors, but there are some pieces that like, Liliana helps throw your Parhelion, Parhelion in the grave, and you're just like, that's just gas. Gas for the deck. <laughs> but this is just like crazy Menace Tribal, where Labyrinth Raptor is like the pivotal piece. So like La Labyrinth Raptor was the 79 cent borderless foil, and I was just like stoked to see that, because I've loved the card for so long. So yeah, it was, it was definitely ground up. 100 bucks to get all the premium like little doodads shiny nozzles and whatever <laughs> that i wanted it's uh it's been very refreshing because yeah. i think there are so many times now that i've wanted to play competitive commander competitive edh yes where i go to like fill up a cart and it's 900 dollars because I'm, i mean assuming you point, don't have some of those staples you know 2500 dollars right. is probably the ground floor no, right? I I had a twenty two hundred dollar yeah. cart that like I wanted to like fulfill. Like I was I just started putting in this huge trade in order, right? And I'm just like, how close can I get to the twenty two hundred dollars? How much more do I gotta spend? You know, and there are times there have been times where I'll trade in seven hundred dollars worth of cards and then I'll be filling up the cart and I'll be like, I need this reserve list, I need like Wheel of Fortune, I need a dual land and stuff like that. And it'll take the cart up to nine hundred dollars and I'll be like you're three nah. cards in? Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, three cards in, and I'm like, that's nah, just $200 of the 900 that I would have otherwise right. had to pay. So fuck it, you know, pull the trigger, and you just, you know, and then you realize the tax is $90. Yeah, and, and not for <laughs> nothing, too. Like, great. those little cards, uh, you know, some commons from Mirrodin or, or some random old set, five, six dollars. Those add up. Yes. yes Get 20 do. of those in a 100 card deck. That's $100 right yeah. there. I mean, that's why, like, the structure of my Pioneer deck is like, for gold hound you yeah. know <laughs> like it's like oh that is a premium card in my deck like it does it is actually so crazy much good. for the deck and then it's like some of the expensive cards are like like the expensive cards are professional face breakers and phyrexian flesh gorgers which i have not borderless foils <laughs> of, yeah, course. I, of those i are, bought the that's why foils. they're expensive cards <laughs> but yeah. I, I had them 
before you know like i had bought into like or professional face breakers jordan and i both did as like investment pieces because we think the card's just nutty but the fact that now i can play four of them in this crazy deck that i already had laying around you know it's like you know and, and that's the other thing too about these other formats like being able to play four of something feels good it feels good having it in your opening hand all the time or drawing into it all the time it's very like yeah you're you know you're essentially in a 60-card deck, you're choosing 10 or 12 cards and saying, I want three or four of each of these. Yeah, you're, and and you're like, I want to see these strategy. all the time. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, Jordan it, it's, me. it's It's fun to, to see that come together. Instead of building that Rube Goldberg machine where it's like, which of these right. parts are going to land in my hands? Which I know you love, Evan. You're That's, shaking your head. Uh, well, I'm saying that yeah. is... Our viewers at home know that. That is exactly <laughs> what it feels like. It feels like a Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah. It is just putting up this building this paper castle <laughs> and just watching it like hopefully the marbles fall in the right place <laughs> but you try to include as many tutors as you can to keep yeah things consistent keep the yeah, thing going uh i yeah i think not only is it like you're talking like the hurdle of getting into competitive commander is financial mm-hmm. but like even when you have the decks like we do it's hard to get four competitive people together with decks of that caliber it's also just kind of like a lot to sign up for like the amount of times like our play group on discord like our cdh play group wants to like hang out and play after i get off work and i'm like that sounds great and then i get home like that sounds fucking terrible i don't want to do that i gotta set up my webcam there's a little bit of labor involved to like kind of set that up and i'm not saying that you guys aren't worth the work for all of you listening i love you all it is just the exhaustion from (laughs) <laughs> non-sedentary jobs that we have where we're running around all day yeah my uh, brain's going yeah. a million miles an hour and i get yeah. home and i'm like great now my i have to process all these interactions everything i play against this, so many stacks players in our group they're like this game could be 20 minutes or it could be three hours and like i will only get one game yep but like you know pioneer night whatever going arena it's so great to just have that caliber of competitive mindset which you don't, it's very hard to find in Commander. And you could just pick it up 10 minutes, pick it actually, up 10 more minutes. Yeah, you can actually find it on Arena too at, at will. Yeah, That's easy. Nice. Like literally at your fingertips on your computer whenever you want. And then pretty much every game shop has a Pioneer Night now, has a Magic or a Modern Night, has a Popper Night if you really want to save money. Like, there's just it's a great way of just seeing new strategies, seeing new synergies and things you want to like play. Like, Fading Hope is this insanely amazing card in my mono blue deck. It is a one mana blue bounce spell, and as long as the creature was three or less, you get to scry one. It's the most annoying. It's uh, crazy good. Upshift, like it, it is uh, unsummon evolved. Yes, it's, like, it's way really better than unsummon. And so I was just like, I get to buy four of those, and they were 75 cents a pop, and boom. And then I had to play four Make Disappear, and those were 70 cents a pop. Boom. That's eight cards out of my 60-card deck done. So, yes, it can be way more expensive, especially when you get into other constructed formats like modern stuff. Like, the price just keeps going and going and going. No one... We don't want to play modern. We're not talking about modern. We don't want to play modern. No offense to the modern players, we but could we're not technically, We could technically play modern. Expensive format, uh, not... You know, nothing against modern players. Not the most fun people to be around. Mm, yeah, like it's it's they have it's kind of like that professional poker like player mindset. Yeah. Like yeah. you get a bunch of them together, and you know, it's not fun. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll fuck with Pioneer. Yeah, if that's who you are as a person, do it. If if you're not, if you're a chiller, don't. Yeah, these, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These are all players in in modern who are competitive, who are playing to their outs, and they 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 know the rules like the back of their hand and so yeah it, it can oftentimes come off as uh, abrasive or aggressive I, I i consider it the most toxic competitive format yeah it's hard it's hard to sit down and play like honestly i i've just i've walked through modern events and i just don't like the air about them bad vibes yeah, bad, bad mojo vibes. man <laughs> yeah just uh shout out to all the modern players that we just absolutely shout out shit to on modern yeah <laughs> yeah we're shitting on you modern. well you know what we've we have not once talked about that format on this podcast true I think, well yeah. in, in glancing uh blows yeah so. we've been trying to like uh you know i feel like all podcasts are like i'm a commander podcast i'm a uh limited podcast i'm a pioneer podcast well when your entire format rotates on the release of a single set that's kind of like it, it just it's a toxic sales like or like uh, and we're talking about commander right yeah, now or, or no, <laughs> yeah <laughs> right no, talking about modern damn you <laughs> but we're not just people who are getting into pioneer and like settling with that alone we've also been out doing pre-releases tons Jordan, of drafts you know, yeah tons of drafts we've been doing drafts within our friend groups and stuff like that it's just 
we're playing the game, I guess, in a new way, like different ways that have existed prior. There's unlimited ways to play the game, and we're dipping our toes into as many of them as we can. Just like you find the right. group of people that you want to play the game with, mm-hmm. who share a group of like interest in terms of competitiveness and, and that sort of stuff. And then, you know, it gives us the option to... to dip into these other formats and you get to see what the game has to offer yeah you get to find so much appreciation for magic and like for the design team and how much work they put in and you just you see it on so many different levels so coming as i've just been a commander player i only know cards are good in commander and it took me a long time when i started going drafts with evan i probably did like seven drafts where i was just like what the fuck like figuring out that a two two flyer for two is banging like unbelievable unbelievable it's actually a three mana two two flyer yeah, like, is is the rate yeah like giada in yes streets of nuka penna was just busted yes and so it's just kind of that mentality shift where cards i've never looked at before like fading hope i've never would have looked at that or i mean you get to experience like history almost like at, for when we did the the draft were for uh brothers war pulling a worm coil engine and like yeah. being able to be have the experience of playing that card and like playing it as a bomb where it felt oppressive Big like memory. it felt like being uh you know being 15 years ago yeah you know? yep. very sudden. very like childhood vibes very f- like fun nostalgic vibes and i do love that's one of the reasons so I'm magic 30 it. is a great product bring back all this memory. <laughs> magic 30 <laughs> yeah. <your> history uh <laughs> wizard send me some packs once again yeah. shout out to magic 30 hashtag yeah. magic 30 yeah send him the secret layer packs <laughs> just send me some stuff it, it can any swag whatever you got right not, but that's why i love like limited is like you get to fully appreciate the whole set encompassed within itself like everything is balanced to play each other and you know on top of that they've managed to fit a whole theme art you know direction new story new lore you get to literally just go in and like fully see like going out to a movie on premiere night you know at a pre-release you get to see what this team has been working on for three years leading up to uh this coming out and so i think that's a really cool new way to do it and Every time I feel like we go to a different format, I feel like I learn a new strategy. I feel like I take a different perspective. Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at the game with like just that commander or CEDH uh, like mindset, like you have a kind of tunnel vision and you're seeing 100%. a very narrow aspect of the game. Yep. Like you're you're only really seeing four or five cards from each set, maybe you know, and you're not experiencing the other 200 cards in that set right which which might be fun outside of a more competitive environment or you know in some other format yeah and with a competitive mindset you might see the set release and there are only like yeah like you said four or five cards that are actually viable to a competitive strategy in a larger in the larger picture of things like in the larger game of magic but when you switch and you decide to go to a pre-release or you go to a draft it turns every single card in the pack into a viable option. Yes. And that is what is so, like, almost refreshing yes. about the whole thing is that, like, you evaluate cards in a different way and you're forced to think about things in a different way if you want to get the dub. Like, yeah, you, can you have to use all your tools. Yes. Yeah. Commons so, like, and uncommons, mostly commons, make your game. There's the one, two, flash. Uh, it's like a one and a white, one, two emergency paratrooper i can't remember the exact name but it's a ambush paratrooper yeah ambush paratrooper from brothers war and it's like a crazy good common because also stapled to it it says you can pay five and creatures you control get plus one plus one until end of turn yeah and you're like this is a common it's a lot of words on a common yeah but yeah and it just it is awesome you your your whole strategy all your synergies are based off of commons uncommons and if you get like a mythic or a rare like good on you you try and fit that in there are some commons that are just absolute bombs like jewel thief in streets of nuka Penna was an absolute bomb three three vigilance trample that creates a treasure and then i mean Talarian Terror. I was just about to say Talarian Terror <laughs> no, is my pioneer deck. that's your jam and holy crap that's common <laughs> Yeah, it's a very good comment. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, cost reduction is always good. It's just when you see it in these different formats where you're allowed to play four surveils or four uh, considers, you know, where you can surveil and dump shit into the graveyard. It's like, wow, that gets really good really fast. Things are getting really crazy. So, yeah, it's just fun, like going from one format, playing something else. Like we did a bunch of these Brothers War drafts, right? And then immediately got into Pioneer. And uh, I I guess my deck is technically a standard deck, actually. Yeah, you can play any format you want. Yeah. Um. But like when I was building it, I looked at the meta deck for the deck I wanted to build, and then I ended up making a few changes, and 
like it was like these new synergies I had just seen. I had just seen how fucking good witness protection is at the new Capenna draft. Also common. Also common. And then I started playing Weakstone Subjugation in the Brothers War draft. It slapped just as hard and limited. But then I started playing Brothers War, or I started playing Weakstone Subjugation in my standard deck for like the first few games, and it was great. Only to realize that we had just played a way way better version of it at the previous draft. So I went, I swapped those out with the uh, the witness protections, and it has been a powerhouse in that deck. It's crazy annoying, it's and it's so annoying. And I've, I've looked at probably thirty different like quote unquote meta standard blue tempo lists. Not a single one's playing it, and not a single one is playing Teferi, and not a single one's playing Ledger Shredder. Yeah, there just are not enough slots for enchantment removal in any of these constructed decks. That's the shit you sideboard for. Yep. So, like, yeah, I mean, that witness protection is incredibly powerful when you're not having... I guess that's the big thing about, like, a singleton 100-card deck is that you have to prepare for all these sort of circumstances, right? But in these formats, you have the opportunity to sideboard. So you can create this, like, crazy refined machine of 60 cards. Game one, you just do your thing. Yep, 100%. Yeah, like, here's my engine. Game two, you win. Guess what? I'm just probably just going to run it back, maybe slot in a couple things for things that I saw from my opponent. But more than likely, I'm going to continue doing the same thing. But your opponent is also going to be slotting in their answers, sideboarding right. for you to try to flip the script. And that is also another like element to this whole strategy is like, sideboarding. Insane thought yeah. you know, for someone who's just played Commander for so totally, long. Totally. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I, I'm wrapping my head around it. So, this, I might be different here. I have a soft sideboard in Commander, and you guys probably have it. Uh, you know, thought about it. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, where it's just like, you know, you have those dozen cards or whatever. The flex slots. The flex slots, exactly. Yeah. That's I kind of think of that as sideboarding That's in Commander, enough. where, like, depending on the pod, depending on the group that night, like, you're not necessarily throwing in a rest in peace because you're playing against a graveyard deck and being right. like, I'm going to fuck that graveyard deck. <laughs> it's just like... Usually frowned you know, upon in Commander. Yeah, this, this deck is like a... Pack heat for one person. For what everyone else is using as their Commander, like, this deck is probably a power level... 8.5 or something and we need to get this down to like a 6 or a 7 so yeah. everyone has a fun time so you have those flex slots and then that's sort of what sideboarding is in commander that's right. totally fair that's, yeah. a, that's a good way of thinking about it usually my flex slots are like if I'm in like the terms of my all gas no breaks deck my Grixis like CDH bullshit deck it is just like there are 80 cards that are never changing in there and maybe 75 cards. And then I can pretty much rip out those other ones for like a new strategy. Like my Malcolm teamer or my Malcolm Grixis list is getting turned into Evelyn, the covetous. And I think I need to change eight cards. So I think though, that's kind of how I think of flex slots, but that's more because ever since I've been a commander, I have never stopped brewing. Like my decks have never stayed stagnant and pretty much I'll just refine and refine and refine and refine until I get onto something else and then I'll sell the deck and start from scratch or at least I didn't play all the same colors now. So I'm, I'm sitting a lot of the main staples. So it's less of that nowadays. It was a sad day when Alayla went bye-bye. Yeah. I mean, I started with Yuriko and I maxed out Yuriko and then Yuriko became a Layla and I maxed that out. And you know, it's been mm-hmm. uh, probably been like 30 decks since then, but yeah. That, well, the one thing I do love about this constructed format uh, now is that now that I've built this deck, I also do not ever have to worry about it rotating. Yeah. Like, this is a deck that I can just sit on and go play Pioneer Night right. every single Friday for the rest of time. Right. That's not why I'm not really worried about my standard deck, is my standard deck will just become a Pioneer deck, and if anything, that'll make it stronger, because then I'll just add a few more yeah, cards a larger to it. pool, yeah. yeah exactly. So that, that, I guess that's, that's the cool thing about Pioneer right now, is that if you wanted to like get into a constructed format, it's... Made without all of the broken parts of modern, mm-hmm. you're, you're mm-hmm. excluding modern horizons and you're excluding like a lot of the fetch lands and stuff that like would ultimately like turbo a deck out, would, would either refine it and like, yeah, I, honestly, I, I mean, not to interrupt, but like when they announced the format and off the bat they were like, we are banning the fetch lands, um, to shuffling takes up too much time, blah blah blah. I mean, really, the incidental thing that happened to make this a good format is that it delayed the wins by a turn or yeah. a turn and it's a half. The, yeah, I the fist pumped when they said yeah. that. Yeah. I was. Yeah. I think everybody was like pretty excited about Pioneer and the concept of it when it first came out. It just mm. came out at such a bad time 
Yeah, you know, I mean, no one knew it. It almost died on the vine. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. It's funny that, you know, you turn the corner and you hit a pandemic and then it's just like, okay, I guess this format is dead. You know, it was announced. Yeah. There was no, right? like, arena support for it or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was announced. There still is no arena support. True. You know? Yeah, I mean, so. Historic is not the exact same card pool. They're trying to get, get You can play closer. Alchemy. Alchemy cards in Historic, which I've seen recently, and that's super yeah. annoying. I, I mean, it's a very, it's like, I don't know, the card pool is like 80% overlap. Yeah, we're but, not yeah. touching Alchemy yeah. on this branching out yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I guess, that, like, the the cool thing is with Pioneer is that now that it is, it is alive and well and is flourishing is that every new set dumps new cards in, and you get into play with, like, a lot of like strategies that just aren't quite figured out yet. And that's like the big thing is that the card, uh, I guess that like the way when you look at like tournament results, it's not just one deck just saying like, Hey, I'm winning this whole thing all the time. 60% win rate, like anything like that. Pioneer has had enough diversity, like sprinkled out throughout of it. Like where I, it has a healthy meta. It has a very healthy meta yeah. where I feel like my stupid labyrinth Raptor deck could show up and just like turn heads. You know, it's like, I mean, no, I'm it's, well, I mean, that's the other thing with, with the card pool, like, you know, the gap between the tiers, like there's no tier zero and the tier between, you know, the difference between tier one, tier two, uh, tier three and, jank is not super super far apart right you know you know it's i just i love that i get to play a deck that i find that's super fun and can still like hold its own at the table like i might not be playing like side by side with the tier one decks which i'm guessing we were talking earlier is like is it phoenix and the vanifar right like combo but um it does. It does like still hold there's, its own at, at most tables. There's a lot of fun in this format, and there's yeah, a lot a of lot options of for deck building and exploration. And yes, like same thing in Commander. Like you can build whatever the fuck you want in Commander, and that is what's great. It is like a sandbox format. But again, once you're starting to look at competitive Commander and like competitive side of things, all CDH players talk about it. And there's about 350 to 400 cards that is technically that card pool of like what is good because. On, in your slots of a hundred of ninety nine cards, you have to play the best slots. Like you have to play the best of the best, and there are only so many options for that. Like that is, you know, not a end all be all, but that is why I feel like branching out into pioneer has been so much fun for us. Is like we really do just get to try something out. Like I love blue, but I would never play mono blue in commander. Yeah, there's been I guess the one thing that I will like the last thing I really want to say like about branching out is that there have been such high stakes to playing competitively. Like there's a lot on the line as far as time investment. There's a lot on the line as far as like pride. The CDH tournaments are not easy to get to. Yeah. Like you got to travel and I feel like these like branching out has taken the, those high stakes moments and like really significantly reduced them to where I can show up and I'm relaxed playing the game. Like I can go to a pre-release and just know that I'm going to get six packs and that is my fate. And I will build a deck out of this. And if I win a game, I'll get a pack. You can be in the moment and play a game. Yes. Yeah. I can yeah. Play a game. Yeah. Which yep. is, you know, I still feel that way about Pioneer. It's like, I'm not sitting here like having like numbers roll through my head or anything it's just very straightforward game and still very low stakes and i'm just relaxing and playing a game and i think that's what i'm actually loving the most about branching out mm -hmm. is uh, i'm actually loving the uh, game of magic. loving it more yeah new angles will kind of just breed creativity and like you know mm -hmm. get you out of uh your your tunnel vision like you were saying exactly yeah, I'm just I'm really excited to find the next Labyrinth Raptor deck. You know, like I built that one and I'm thinking like, oh, I'm going to play this for a while. And now I'm sitting here and I'm just like, I wonder what that next deck will be for me. It is and, and I think for you, too, like the way you like to build a deck in, you know, in Commander is you think about something you want to do. But then your way that you develop that engine is going to follow a lot of the same lines of play. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so in Pioneer, then um, those lines of play are... Like, you know, you're not locked into those lines of play. You can find different combo pieces that still, like, energize you and, like, you know, keep you invested in what you're doing when you're deck building and doing your own thing that's, you know, off meta. Yeah. But not having to then fall back into film familiar patterns because yeah, it, they're not there. It's funny that that's exactly how I built my first few commander decks was I had played standard for a hot minute with Apatra. And then once Apatra rotated out, I 
kicked and stomped like a upset child and uh, moved straight to Commander because I couldn't play a Patra anymore. <laughs> so and you're still playing a Patra I'm, I'm occasionally. Still, still play a Patra because it's just a strategy that I fell in love with, and it's just yeah, funny how it worked from going from standard. I just developed the strategy and took that standard strategy and moved it to commander and hey, now i'm sort of like reversing that whole th- process yeah listen i get it i i found the uh cdh deck that lets me play uh the necropotence deck that i was playing 25 years ago you know <laughs> yeah so feels good it feels really good to like be yeah. able to feel like uh, nostalgic in some senses but um, yeah, I'm I'm just really happy and I'm really content right now with uh, branching out into multiple formats. You know, it's really funny how you can know this game and the rules are all the same, but the game plays differently. Like across all these different Always. formats, it's all different, and you're not going to be good at it. Like if you're good at Commander, you're not going to be good at Standard until you play it. And like if you're good at Standard, you're not going to be good at Modern until you yeah. play it. There's a wide variety of experiences to be had in different formats and like just a wide variety of experiences with like not just the gameplay, with the card pool, with the type of people you're going to encounter, right? The, you know, all of it. And to say you're not going to be good at it, I don't mean that as a discouraging thing. To me, that is a very encouraging, fun thing. It's yeah, like, that's great. It is a completely different play style of different like avenue my brain has not worked out yet. Yeah, if you like Getting better at something is better than being good at it it is so much fun like i love going to limited and drafting and getting my ass beat by the same eight guys or seven guys it's an eight person pod that go to our local store and draft every single set probably three times a weekend they do the flashback drafts on tuesday they're the same crew and it's so fun to go there and just get my ass beat but i learn something new every time i watch what they do it's really fun i get to talk to them uh and i think it's just great it's a great way to reach out uh, and it's a great way to appreciate magic without having to spend a ton of money on this bullshit Magic 30. Yeah, sometimes it costs $15 to just go do a draft. Sometimes I'm just going to spend 15 bucks and draft. and You get to build a new deck. We, we did Chaos Draft last week in the pod, and yeah. we each spent under awesome. 25 bucks. Yes, and it was, was tons awesome. of fun. Yeah, yeah, it was Brothers War and Double Masters. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think that's uh, pretty much all I got to say is I really think that it behooves everybody who loves this hobby to like just branch out try other formats just bring your crew along with you and make it fun and cheap for everybody and just make it approachable and yeah that's the other thing too like you know if you're doing this other stuff like if you're going pioneer if you're going into um doing drafts like it it's an equalizer like you know everyone in your play group that is familiar with each other's patterns and everything um you get to like reset and it's almost like you're you're just at the base level again and everyone's equal a few of us have drafted more than others in our group, but really the playing level is pretty flat there. And so, like, you know, Evan and I have been playing a lot of CDH, and we're trying to get, like, you know, a few other people to learn CDH, but we inherently have a val- uh, an advantage there. And so we kind of take on more of, like, a mentoring role sometimes. But, yeah. like, when you're just, none of us have ever done this before, let's get three packs and just fucking go at it. It's so much fun to just kind of sit back and... Everyone enjoy, knows enjoy the, the rules of the game. They don't know what they're going to get. And so, yeah, it's a lot... Like, the ground level for entry is just, like, as low as it can get. But whereas, like, you're trying to show someone, like, hey, we want you to get into CEDH because we love CEDH. And it's like, okay, so I have this card in my hand. It's Mystical Tutor. What do I go get? What do I get? Yeah, sometimes those four of formats just make things way easier. Yes. Sometimes the grab three packs format makes things even easier than that. Yeah. Um, So that's about it for today. Yeah, I got nothing to end on. Nah, let's go. Weird. All right, we're Uh, getting out of here. Fuck Magic 30, but if Wizards Go to the Coast wants to send send us some, but fuck that shit. Go fuck yourself. If you guys want to follow us, you can find the links and stuff below. (laughs) Uh, That's about it for us here at the Mock Stars Podcast. We'll catch you guys later. And thanks again for listening. Bye. Appreciate you guys. We love you, wizards.